Hi there, Neil here. Obviously, you love to travel. That's why you're listening to this podcast. Circa, our app available right now from the App Store on iOS, is filled with podcasts and guides for travelers. But more than that, it has a feature that we're calling the Circa Concierge, where you can have any question about any place you're traveling answered by real people on the ground. We're giving you a friend to ask anywhere in the world. And hey, if you've got questions about Barcelona, you might even get me. Because I love to help people discover my city. And if you're the same way for the city where you live, then we want you to become part of the Circa Concierge too. Right now, we're searching for concierges in Barcelona, Rome, London, Paris, Madrid, Venice, and New York City. Don't see your city listed? That's okay. We'll be rolling out new cities throughout the year, and yours might just be next. If you love where you live and love to help travelers, sign up now to be a Circa Concierge. Help out our users and earn tips for the knowledge you have about your own city or country. Head over to circatravel.com forward slash concierge and sign up today. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Hey guys, just a quick note up top. This isn't a traditional episode of Passport, but with the situation we have in the world right now, we felt it was a show we needed to make. This is an episode about how the entire world needs connection in some way. So, if you have a story about love, travel, change in these strange times, we want to hear about it. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or you can send us an email at passporthost at frequencymachine.com. Today, we've got some stories for you from the entire team about love. Love in the time of Corona. A destination isn't always a place. Sometimes it's a new way of seeing things. I'm Neil Innes. And I'm Andres Bartos. We both live in Barcelona, but we're not really from here. We're kind of from everywhere. We're friends filmmakers, and world-class ramblers. Passport is the show that will take you to the places you've never heard of. We'll introduce you to the people who you would never have otherwise met. And we'll tell you the kind of stories you only hear when you throw away the guidebook. From Frequency Machine, this is Passport. We first read about it, like everyone did, around Christmas in 2019. And at that point, it felt like it was just a weird word far away. COVID-19, SARS-2, coronavirus. Worldwide cases quickly reached half a million, and on the 14th of March, in Barcelona, Spain, where the entire passport team lives, the lockdown began. 
This quarantine, imposed all over the world, felt like a watermark, at least in my lifetime. But I think it was felt more in cities which live in close, constant, bustling contact. Barcelona is certainly one of those cities. The contact you feel with other people when you travel, no matter how far, when you experience something new, was gone. Overnight. And it sucked. So with all the passport team quarantined here in Barcelona and working in isolation on a show about travel and connection, well, we started to look for some semblance of silver linings through talking with friends and with friends of the show. Conversations on Zoom, WhatsApp, Hangouts and Skype became incredibly important, but in a very different way. And we're producers, so we plugged in and we pressed record and we captured slices of what is both universal about this experience and what is totally unique. These are conversations with people all in the same storm, but in totally different boats. Incredible situations of connection brought on by something truly and utterly disconnecting. Welcome to Passport. Day three, people. Netflix is down. Amazon is down. We transfer is down. It's gray and it's cloudy and it's raining. Yeah, baby. My little girl is three years old, and her entire view of the world is the park and her school and walking our dog and playing in the streets, the beach, and the mountains. My girlfriend hatched a plan to tell our daughter that there was bichitos in la calle, bugs on the street. She hates bugs. Why can't why can't we go outside? Because there's bichitos. Bichitos. Yeah, mm. the street. The microphone has a bichito. Ah. No, the microphone doesn't. I have that. Even though we were all lucky to work from home, working from home with a kid was hard. I thought about my friends Garth and Jolene. Not only two of the best names on the planet, but one of the best couples ever. And they were in lockdown in Hull. Okay, wait. Check this out. Hull is a small but historic city in East Yorkshire in England. A center point of the English Civil War and incredibly important in the abolition of the slave trade. Totally recommended if you want a surprising and underrated city with not many tourists and great people. Nicely done. See, we can still be a travel show. Yeah, of course. Anyway, the reason I was thinking about them was that Garth and Jolene were about to have a baby in quarantine. Like, today. Hi, Neil. You're right. I'm good. How are you guys, more importantly? <laughs> We're hanging in there. <laughs> yeah, not bad. Good to hear your voice. So you're due today? Today, yeah, is the official due day. Although there's not much happening. No, like, pre-contractions? No. Like, I've had a few twinges, but nothing, like, really to write home about. So I'm kind of like, will I actually know when it happens? (laughs) You've got no benchmark, haven't you? I've got no benchmark. Yeah, nothing to compare them to. You might just wake up one morning and it'll be waiting for you. (laughs) Just flat at the bottom of the bed, like, hi. (laughs) 
Are you are you out sunning yourself? Have you done a hot curry? Have you gone for a quickie? Have you tried all the things? <laughs> Maybe a quickie round the block. <laughs> a walk. <laughs> yeah, a bit of hopscotch earlier, yeah. Yeah. You know, trying to jiggle it out. <laughs> Have you got any sort of like special things that you need to do because of what's going on? The only thing that's different is I won't be allowed in the hospital as long as I normally would be had this not been going on. It's really hard to think about going to a hospital right now with a worldwide pandemic on. Garth found out he would have to leave the hospital in intervals throughout the labour and possibly the birth. But he felt okay about it. Keep calm and carry on. They were more excited about getting the baby home. It's going to be cool though because you're going to have a little one at home. I know. You're, you're not yeah. going to want to go anywhere anyway because yeah, that's what happens. It'd be quite a nice yeah. distraction. <laughs> and another plus, I mean, it's not quite nice on the family and all, but at least we won't be bombarded with visitors. <laughs> I know exactly what it's like to be waiting for a baby, but I can't imagine doing it under house arrest. In the UK, all expectant mothers had been advised not to leave the house for any reason. Oh, you see, that's the only difference is right now I have no distractions. As we're just stuck in the house. I'm creating jobs. <laughs> <laughs> Keep forgetting entirely that we're actually having a baby. Gas said to me this way, he's like, I've just got so used to you being fat. <laughs> I, I did not say that. <laughs> Those weren't my words. <laughs> it's, it's just brutally honest with me now. Oh, come on. Pretty sure I used the word rotund. <laughs> I'm so glad you guys are doing good. I'll be thinking of you. We'll certainly send some photos over <laughs> once she's once she pops. Could be tonight. Could be tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? We all know now that under lockdown or any global situation, the news becomes a daily bombardment of numbers. Death tolls, cases, serious, critical, recovered, curves, graphs, percentages, and endless lists. The 79 best pandemic movies to watch in quarantine, or how to survive staying home with these 215 songs. The coronavirus grocery list. The 15 best apocalyptic books to read now, or 23 home projects to while away the time in isolation. Dre, wait, we're going to have one more list (laughs) at the end of the show. Our saved pins this week, five romantic movies that take you places. You know, connection and travel. Of course. Right. When you can't move, when you can't travel, people look for adventure. They seek out new things, right? Well, everybody was suddenly looking to be entertained more than ever, but there was always this constant reminder of the front line and the people on it. You know, the people who were fighting the virus. So we wanted to talk to someone that was dealing with it every day. And Rianne is one of those people. I'm in Teddington um, Memorial Hospital. She works in Richmond, which is a pretty affluent suburban town just west of London. It's actually totally worth a visit for its beautiful park and the spectacular Kew Gardens. It's only 30 minutes by train or tube from the centre of London. Nicely done. Why, thank you. So having worked for the NHS for... um, (laughs) God, I hate to admit it, but for 30 years and having worked in an A&E department for 20 of those years, I can honestly say I've never felt the emotional drain as I've had um, since this has been, since the whole coronavirus thing's been going on. Rianne saw the coronavirus escalate in the UK every day shift and every night shift got worse and worse. 
She saw members of her staff get incredibly ill with the virus. As a team, it's brought us even closer together because the public have just been amazing. They're so, so generous. In the UK, like in Spain, the outpouring of appreciation for the emergency services manifested in a scheduled applause. It's actually quite overwhelming. I say that the very first one, we opened the door and everybody in the streets um, was out on their doorsteps and um, and everybody started clapping and that's it. I, I completely, I, I was completely overwhelmed by it. And then my immediate neighbours were turning to clap to me and I'm there sort of clapping, saying, no, this is, this is for everybody. This is for all the people that I've ever worked with. Each evening in Barcelona at 8pm, the applause rings out for 10 minutes and sometimes the music and the singing and dancing on the balconies can last an hour, every night without fail. The one story that perhaps encapsulates this mass appreciation is the story of Captain Tom, a 99-year-old military veteran who promised to walk 100 lengths of his 80-foot garden before his 100th birthday and help raise 1,000 pounds for the NHS. Well, he swept the nation and he became an overnight celebrity. Everyone fell in love with him. Who wouldn't? Not only that, but the NHS Care Choir, yes, they have a choir, this is England after all, decided to thank Tom with a rendition of You'll Never Walk Alone, a British balladeering classic. Rianne is in that choir. Last Thursday, one of my choir friends sent me an email, sort of, you can sing, this is your part, so if you could learn it, record it as a sound file and get it back to us by eight o'clock. So I went for it and um, they put it all together. The next thing I'm getting a message from a friend um, about seven o'clock in the morning saying, number one on iTunes and uh, well, the the rest is, is history. Well, the song went to number one overnight, and on his JustGiving.com page, the 99-year-old Captain Tom passed his 1,000-pound target by a little bit. At the moment of writing this, he has raised 32,795,577 pounds for the NHS. What about if when we can finish this, we go ride horses? Yes. Yeah. How was called your pony? Um, Ben. Ben was beautiful, wasn't it? <laughs> you know what we're going to do when all this is finished? What? Papa's going to take you bowling. No, Mama. Today, Mama do bowling with me, Papa. But Mama doesn't like bowling. Yeah, the shoes. My shoes. It's true. Mary really doesn't like bowling that much. But she does like shoes. Let's do a little passport team check-in. We're a pretty close bunch here at the show, but we hadn't seen each other for nearly 50 days. 
and suddenly it felt really strange in all of the excitement of launching the show and being separated. So we called each other a lot. I'm going to call Harriet Davies, a producer here on the show. I'm starting to realise that I'm actually pretty lucky to be locked away here because we've got like, you know, like a workout area, like a punching bag, a cinema area. (laughs) I don't know. I don't think I really appreciate it until I had to be inside all the time. And now all of a sudden I'm like, oh, this place is actually quite good. (laughs) She has a pretty interesting living situation. She shares a massive two floor warehouse with 12 other people. Oh, by the way, Pablo now, Harriet's Neighbourhood is Barcelona's oldest industrial barrio. It's right on the seafront to the north of the city centre. Pablo now offers the insane and frantic Encants flea market. It has the futuristic Barcelona Design Museum and the Torre Akbar, designed by Jean Nouvel. In the city, the tower is affectionately nicknamed the Dildo, because, well, you, you know. Huh, nicely done. Nailed it. Is your kitchen like the kitchen from The Shining? (laughs) Actually, yeah, probably. (laughs) I mean, we do have an extremely, extremely large cupboard, maybe multiple of them, and about five or six fridges. (laughs) Oh, my God. When I talk about it, it sounds crazier, but when when I'm here, I'm just like, oh, this is normal. (laughs) We have a gallery. (laughs) Get the fuck out. (laughs) You have a gallery. We have a gallery for exhibitions. (laughs) And suddenly, I wasn't worried about Harriet anymore. What, stuck in her cavernous two-floor warehouse palace, living like some boho quarantined version of Jay Gatsby? Yeah, she'll be fine. And also, she had a silver lining story for us. From her Uncle Fred in Wisconsin, USA. Ah, Wisconsin. That beautiful North American Great Lakes state, known for Harley Davidson's beer and cows. Cows? More cows than people, dude. That's that's not true. Hi, Harriet. Hi. <laughs> Harriet's Uncle Fred so. builds machines for hospitals. Essential work right now, and one of Fred's machines in particular is going to come incredibly handy in these times of COVID. But it wasn't built for COVID. Originally, nitric oxide was uh, first approved by the FDA to uh, control um, pulmonary blood pressure. That's when you have a problem getting oxygen in the lungs. Nice one, man. Dr. Dre. How does it go from that to helping people with coronavirus? Nitric oxide is is a very simple molecule. It's only one atom of, of nitrogen and one atom of oxygen. When it's added to the gas that uh, you're breathing, it can penetrate uh, the cell walls of these viruses and, and bacteria and react with the proteins within them, uh, causing them to, to, to break down. A machine to help those in the worst case scenario combat the infection. So by breathing nitric oxide, we're, we're kind of handicapping the viruses and, and helping the immune system get ahead in that race and hopefully stop the progression of the disease. That sounds amazing. (laughs) Nitric oxide is an amazing uh, molecule and uh, the body's using it all the time. So it's very natural. So it's, we expect it to be a very safe treatment. Your body knows how to handle nitric oxide. It's been doing it for millennia. Amazing people doing amazing things in tough times. And look, because we can, 
Here's an applause just for Harriet's Uncle Fred. Next up, cooking in quarantine, a wedding, a romance, and a separation. Not necessarily in that order. Hi, everyone. Circa is recruiting new concierges. A Circa concierge is a friend to ask anywhere in the world. Real people, on the ground, never bots. If you want to be a concierge for your city, go to circatravel.com to sign up. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. The fact that the whole world is closed also means no restaurants, no bars, no cafes. And in a city like Barcelona, that's truly heartbreaking. During this time inside, it's been pretty wild to note the increase in food conversations. Cooking has become an adventure again, a love to replace travel, a kind of rekindled love, which begins weirdly with a risky trip to the supermarket. Lunches became banquets, Instagram got pummeled with even more proud food efforts than ever before, and couples all over the world fought for that little moment of creativity at the end of the day in the kitchen. Passport producer Harry Stott included. There's a tug of war, actually, of who's, of who's going to make something, because you want that, that thing to do. And then sometimes we try and do it together, and that does not work. I completely <laughs> agree with you. That does not work. I can't, I can't do it. The, I think in the kitchen, there's one of those small times where, you know, you can kind of just keep everything proper and, yeah. you know. It's a bit off-brand for me, but... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a bit off-brand. <laughs> it's a bit off-brand, it is. And like a good interviewer does, Harry flips me back a question. From all the conversations you've had for this, has there been like an overriding feeling that's come out from people? People have been talking to friends and talking to family and stuff that they haven't talked to for a while. Opening up conversations that you perhaps wouldn't have. When you can't get out and you can't move to see the people that you love, you reach them wherever you can. And tech has made the excuses for not checking in with people pretty improbable ones. Definitely, that's been one of the main things for me, actually, has been speaking to mates more in this six, seven weeks than I had in the entirety of the time I've been out in Barcelona, yeah. what, like a year and a half. <laughs> it's yeah. mad. And it's so nice. And it's so nice. We're running a bath and listening to Sinatra. like a scene from the Joker. And there's my dog. We were checking in pretty often with each other, but Passport's Jennifer Carr, a writer and producer on the show, had been a little bit quiet. We'd all started to get a little worried. Hey there, Neil. Um, 
I suspect that I had coronavirus. Now coming out the other side of what was a pretty, um, yeah, an intense experience, but also one that left me feeling incredibly fatigued and um, feverish insomnia, um, which left me a bit wiped out and a bit, um, <laughs> a bit feeling a bit sorry for myself. I think I've been a bit laissez-faire when it comes to uber uber military hygiene who knows we'll never know it could have been the amazon delivery guy but um i feel like this corona confinement when you're in confinement with your boyfriend has just taken all the mystery out of our relationship <laughs> um there's really no secrets anymore i feel like it's quite kind of primates together <laughs> um so really yeah i guess if these things don't break you then hopefully they make you right Coronavirus definitely brought some conversations which we'd been putting off for a long time. It weirdly reconnected a lot of people. But we also made some new friends during this time in lockdown. Asla and Jonathan were the last married couple in New York, last people to tie the knot at City Hall. Neil called them in their home in upstate New York for a love story almost dashed by the coronavirus. How did you guys meet? We met on Bumble. But I remember looking at his picture and be like, Oh my God, cute, hot guy, looked tall. This is the guy I want to date in New York. But if, if there's such a thing as a romantic moment on a dating app, uh, Asla is the only person I've ever paid to say hi to. Because the way, <laughs> the way that that app works, like, you know, the matches expire. It's one of the way they get you to pay the money is if they expire, you have to pay to say hi after. And I hadn't been on there in months. And I got back on. And I was like, oh, there's this you know, beautiful woman who wanted to say hi to me four months ago. But I can't say hi to her unless I pay five bucks or whatever. I've never done it before. Certainly haven't done it since. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they met, they fell in love, dated for three years, holidayed in Turkey with Asla's family, and then... We had the opportunity to spend a few days on this boat, just the two of us, and we were on this beach at like eight in the morning. No one else was around. And I was looking around. And I was like, you literally couldn't script this. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, what? If I don't do it now, I'm an idiot. <laughs> yeah, it was like, what are you waiting for? What do you think is going to present itself that's better than this moment? And so I, I proposed... Blessings from family and the wedding planning wheels were in motion. Dresses, shoes, parties, the works. And they are legendary party throwers. And Jonathan and Asla had the perfect venue. A very cool restaurant opened in New York called The Turks Inn. We love the space and it has an amazing story. The story is, in 1930s, an Armenian Turk moves to Wisconsin and opens a supper club. The family business went under and two guys bought the whole place as it was and moved it to New York. So it had this Milwaukee touch point, which was my mom's side of the family. My dad's from the Bronx, so it's in New York. So it had this through line for my father's side of the family. It's a Turkish restaurant, so Asla's, you know, heritage is covered. And it was in the neighborhood that I was living in when we met. So it was just, it was like, we just looked at each other like, this has to be the place. The days fell off the calendar, heading towards the date of the wedding in May. And then suddenly, the world was in a pandemic. Soon after, New York City looked to be on track to be the new epicenter of the virus. Oh, it's heartbroken for, for the female perspective. I mean, I bought 
four outfits. <laughs> I was shoe shopping. I had my makeup. I had a personal trainer. It was not. We just had two weddings that we were anticipating, by the way, with people who were going to come from everywhere. Argentina, Spain, Italy, London, United States, people from Turkey coming to New York wedding. My mom had, like rented a yacht for us to have a boat party in Istanbul. And we were going to get all of this done like this because we had planned it to the perfection. Flights looked to be canceled. Older relatives were advised to stay inside, but nothing was going to stop them. I work right next to City Hall, and then I realized that sooner or later they're going to shut down the city. So we looked at each other. Jonathan said, we'll do it over Zoom. <laughs> Here we go. Like it's To her credit that we managed to slip it in just in the nick of time. I think she had her eye on the ball a little bit more and was right. And was like, hey, if we don't do this now. They um, closed the next day. Yeah. So we, we really were one of the last people in New York City to get married. And honestly, it was awesome. I mean. <laughs> we had a bunch of close friends. We had all of our family on this Zoom call. We have a recording of it, which is we'll have that for the rest of our lives, which is well, pretty We have pretty. to add the detail. My grandmother missed the wedding <laughs> yeah. because uh, although she's 92 and she was not supposed to be outside, she went to play bridge with her best friends, the only remaining three friends she has, and thought that this was this could just wait for her. What? <laughs> Where is grandma? Is she missing my wedding? Like, you know, I'm her only granddaughter. <laughs> we, did, we did plan the original timing of the wedding to partly rush the wedding so that they could get there. So it is a little extra ironic that she was playing cards. <laughs> <laughs> the vows, the kiss, the breaking of a glass, the throwing of rice, all with masks and social distancing. Then a quick pizza and some beers on the steps of City Hall, which the police turned a blind eye to. You can't tell a bride not to have a beer at her reception no matter where it is. Then it was off to a five-star hotel for a sweet, sweet night between the she... Uh, actually, no. No, it wasn't. Asla had to go back to work. I mean, she's a reporter. On camera. In her wedding dress. So, after the wedding, we said goodbye to everyone, went back upstairs, I put my jacket, took my camera equipment, Times Square, do the stand-up, go back. And we drove to, like, I ran to the Brooklyn Bridge, <laughs> did my stand-up, and then came home, we packed, and then left the city, like, you know, running out of New York kind of way. That's where I feel robbed. I don't feel robbed by the wedding, but, like, our honeymoon sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love that you just fucking did it. It was, I, we can't take credit for this. This was just something that occurred to us after the fact. I think people just needed, like in our family, it just needed a good piece of news. At least in this moment, this is one thing in, that's like just good. Yeah, this isn't complicated. It's not a mixed, you know, pro and con. There's some good, some bad here. Like just for one moment, you know, everything is, is something, something really good is happening. I would have never thought that we would have to do a quarantine. Things happen, but a quarantine? Do you think that we'll still be together when all of this is finished? I hope so. 
Are you trying to tell me something? <laughs> I guess most couples have asked themselves that question in this time of lockdown. But, separation aside, being locked down together can bring both love and redemption. Or both. I think that's why these last two stories really hit home. Damn, it's hot out here. Are you on your hour out? My hour of outside, yeah. Sometimes I push it a little bit. <laughs> but I realise even 10 minutes of outside is almost like unheard of from your parts. I called Joe, my friend of nearly 20 years, in Brighton on the south coast of the UK. Brighton's a seaside town. It's a very British place on lockdown. Think boardwalks and ice creams and candy floss and carnival rides, pebble beaches. In the UK, one hour of exercise has been permitted each day. And I called him and I caught him on a run. There's a great uh, side so I just ran past. It just says, nature is the only dictator. Oh. <laughs> That's so, so true and such a great line. It's a long story, but here's the short one. I messaged Joe before Christmas because I'd started sending voicemails to people. It's kind of a New Year's resolution. And I got a message back from him, which kind of broke my heart. A happy marriage with kids, a beautiful house, an affair, a separation, an age-old story. But the pandemic, it kind of changed a lot for Joe. I'm in a, in a world of uh, sort of reflection and kind of working out, yeah, what I want to be doing really. So, you, are you staying? Are you staying with with friends? Or you got? Did you get a place? <clears throat> we've uh, we're very much living together. Ah, better than waking up at my mates in the in his spare room without yeah. any children kind of crawling in next to me and reading yeah. stories and stuff. So, how do a newly separated couple who are suddenly cooped up together handle all of this and all of that uh we started going to therapy so that's been really good and actually obviously that's now gone online so we're having sort of zoom therapy now the last month it's been getting better in terms of less oh, anger still there but it doesn't come out in the kind of the same way yeah yeah so like with the whole lockdown thing i think it's sort of like a, a catalyst um for forcing you to uh look at things and and you know kind of you can't get away so you've got to yeah. you know you've got to confront everything there isn't anybody else that we can go to you know in this kind of crazy time all you want to do is just sort of be held and um you know have comfort and warmth in the, in the mornings and the evenings and i think hopefully actually it'll work out as something that's not uh, been a bad thing for us oh that's amazing man not that it's going to save anything but it's gonna save a friendship more than anything yeah. which is like yeah you know this is like this is a solid two month like couples therapy session yeah well this is it but i mean you know we are literally having couples therapy session as well at the same <laughs> at the same time and yeah so i mean to be fair to her she's been pretty pretty amazing throughout the whole thing just because she's the one that's sort of carrying my well infidelity and ultimately my um the fact that, yeah, I was like massively depressed and sort of in a weird place at the moment, trying to get myself to get back, back going into some kind of new life. Um, and she's sort of having to hold all that while, uh, yeah, looking after the kids and all that kind of jazz and staying at home. So, yeah, it's kind of, it's a lot going on, but yeah, it's, it's sort of, yeah, so it makes you appreciate what you got.
Passport's Billy Cragen Toon is locked down with his close friends Max and Harry. I wondered if the quarantine was testing them at all in their flat in Gracia. Gracia was once a separate town entirely from Barcelona. Now it's been enveloped by the city and it's potentially its coolest barrio. It's usually always bustling. But right now, like everywhere else in the city, it's a town of shuttered shops and discarded rubber gloves. Well, nice, buddy. That was informative and scary. A little poetry for you. A little city poetry. I bring the gracia to gracia, son. Hey, good. Hey, chief. How's it good? I'm sitting cross-legged on the floor in a cupboard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. How's your world over there? It's all merged into one day, almost. Like, I can't really, I, you know, I can't really sort of single out any memories of, oh, yeah, when that happened or that happened, you know, everything's just sort of quite the same. Have you guys been hitting the dating apps? Is it a weird world in there at the minute? Like anytime I've uh, been on dating apps, the mission is to just try and kind of establish like some kind of meeting. Like so, because I don't think I can really get to know someone. You're not going to be having too good of a, a time of it at the minute then, buddy. <laughs> no, no, I've just, I've accepted it. I've accepted it. And to be honest, I feel quite lucky that I'm coming to this single because I don't have like that person who I really miss, yeah. who I really want to see. So I'm, I'm permanently lonely, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm permanently <laughs> horny. I'm so horny, so horny. <laughs> you take that risk when you get involved with people. So you never get too close. You, you open yourself up. Exactly. <laughs> Stay as an island. A cold, icy island. <laughs> Although Billy fancies himself as a mysterious loner, he's a sweetheart, and he had maybe found and recorded the most pure love story so far. A perfect story for the time. This is the story of Jack and Diane. <laughs> Sorry. This is the story of Jack and Diane. So we both work at this tech startup. I know, I know, I know. Just hold on. Diane is in Seattle, but... Majority of the employees are actually in our Portugal offices. Portugal. And leading up to quarantine, we always use video chatting anyways because, you know, he's in Portugal and I'm in Seattle. Jack and Diane worked a lot together. Always online, always on video chat. That was pretty much pre-shutdown. Never met in person. We've never seen each other in person, <laughs> which is crazy, yeah. In general, he's a very outgoing and flirtatious person. That's just a part of his personality. And I am quite the opposite, especially at work. I always thought he was cute. I had been in shutdown for a week or two and I don't remember what exactly it was that prompted me to have more than just a, you know, conversation that surrounded this project. Um, he's convinced that it's because he brought up Harry Potter. <laughs> Harry Potter always gets the girls going. Wait, what? So Diane made the first move in a Zoom work romance, and she took the conversation 
of the work platform. And they talked about jazz flute and ballroom dancing and playing the piano. All weirdly shared loves. I just kept having this thought of never have I had such an easy time having a conversation with anyone ever. And the next day, a Saturday, not a work day. Diane gets an instant message from Jack. Are you working right now? And I said, no. And then that prompted us to uh, talk all weekend. From there, with every conversation, we kind of got a bit more flirtatious and it just opened up more and more in terms of like, we do actually really fancy each other. I think we both kind of hit that pace at the same time. Diane was starting to catch some serious, pixelated, bad audio quality feels. He's in Portugal. You don't even know when you can see him next. Like, this is just a disaster. I actually, like, told my friends, like, this is a doomed dalliance. <laughs> but they continued video calling each other every day. And I think it only, like, took three weeks for him to say, like, I love you. And I was like, wow, this is crazy. But I had not showered that day. My hair was dirty in a bun, no makeup on. And, like, that's what I looked like when he said that to me. I said it back, and here we are. <laughs> We wondered if this workplace love story could have happened in person. Could it have happened without a global lockdown? I asked myself that a lot. Um, no, like I have a hard time imagining us kind of making those first steps into a conversation like that without quarantine because because we have nothing else to do, right? Like we don't have our social lives. Like so we wouldn't have had this time to like sit down and just spend the hours talking to each other. So it's kind of a gift and a curse at the same time. And so as a dating experience? It's been a good experience in that it's really dictated our communication with each other. But I'm really anxious to book my flight to Portugal. <laughs> What have we been doing? Hard drive. A hard drive? Yes. Papa's made you a hard drive. It's got lots of movies on it. Mama said no. Mama said no to movies? No. Because you say no. Mama's gonna turn off the hard drive. She's gonna turn off the hard drive. Yes. In all of the stories we captured, having kids, working from home, being pregnant, missing friends and family, falling in love long distance, I can relate to those. They all happened to me. But being 99 years old and raising more than 30 million pounds for the NHS by walking around your garden, building a machine to help people suffering, getting married in a pandemic, or being on the front line every day, those were extraordinary to me. It made me realize that I already had the relatable and the extraordinary living with me. Do you want to do an interview or not? No. Denied an interview. Tonight? Denied, yeah. Tonight? We go to see more? Okay. No, not tonight. Denied. 
right in front of me were all of the things that were important in these moments to Garth and Jolene and Asla and Jonathan and Jack and Diane. It's weird. I felt happy being at home with the people that I love the most. Sorry. Emotional. Ah. Oh, thanks, baby. Okay, thank you. You want to close the door for me? Thanks, gorgeous. She just wanted to give me a hug. <laughs> oh, crying on mic is not attractive. After all this time locked down, after all the Zoom calls and Skypes and face mask trips to the supermarket, after the hours of Netflix and chill all blended into one long memory, people's absolute need for connection was the one thing that talking through this pandemic and finding these stories taught us. The connecting theme for everything in this episode, sentimental as it is, was connection. The silver linings we found in this time of being apart are really much like travel, all about trying to get together. It really is that simple. Oh, by the way, congratulations to Garth and Jolene on the birth of their little girl, L. Renee Vickers, carrying on the tradition of awesome names. So each week on Passport, we tell you a new amazing story from a different city and a different perspective, but we didn't really do that today. And with the world shut down, we thought our saved pins this week could be a movie list. Yeah, another one. Romantic movies that do the traveling for you. You ready? Number one, the Before Trilogy. From Vienna to Paris and finally to Kalamitsi in Greece. From star-crossed, impulsive lovers on a train through their complicated relationship to, well, uh, just watch them. They're fantastic. So good. Number two, in the mood for love. One car-wise, incredible-looking love story. We'll take you to 1960s Hong Kong. Christopher Doyle's amazing cinematography puts you right there on the streets of Hong Kong. It's wonderful to look at. Los Amantes del Círculo Polar, or Lovers of the Arctic Circle. Ana and Otto, teenage lovers in Madrid, now separated, estranged, find themselves meeting in Finland. It's a unique film and one which definitely takes you places. It'll make you cry, but it'll be worth it. <laughs> I promise. Yeah, God, the ending of that film. <sighs> Number four, Away We Go. I thought this was pretty underrated when it came out. Um, this is Sam Mendes' road trip romance. John Krasinski and Maya Rudolph um, on an odyssey across the USA to find the perfect hometown to settle down in. Such an underrated little film. Um, and one that will get you out of the house. <laughs> kind of. What's our last one, man? Her. Perhaps more people in these weird times are falling in love with their devices. So why not watch Spike Jones' techno love story? in which Joaquin Phoenix falls in love with his new operating system, 
smokily voiced by Scarlett Johansson. People say I look like Joaquin Phoenix. <laughs> that has no relevance whatsoever to these pins, but um, I'm just putting that out there. I'll take it. Anyhow, that's it for this week. If you like this story, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. A five-star review will help others find the show. On the next episode of Passport, we're going to South Korea to talk about K-pop. Check us out at Passport Podcast on Instagram. See photos of me, Andre, and our team, all of our guests, and some amazing things that we found from all over the world. This week's episode of Passport was written and edited by me and produced by the whole Passport team. Andres Bartos, Billy Craig and Toon, Harriet Davies, Harry Stott and Jennifer Carr. Huge thanks to Garth and Jolene, Asla and Jonathan, Harry's aunt Brianne and Harriet's uncle Fred, to Diane and to Joe and to all the other people who chatted with us each and every day. We'll put appropriate links to all of those people, if possible, in our show notes. Music on this episode was created by my good friend and genius Nick Turner. Additional stuff by Young Karts, Ortalio, Dream Combo, Gokualia, Gastronome, and Junior 85. You'll Never Walk Alone was written by Rogers and Hammerstein and performed by Captain Tom Moore, Michael Ball, and the NHS Voices of Care Choir. You can get it wherever you get music. Go support Captain Tom. The show was mixed and mastered by Julian Kwasniewski. Stacey Book, Dominic Ferrari, and Abby Glijanski are the social distancing masters of Los Angeles. They also executive produced the show, which is hosted by myself and my friend Andres Bartos. We'll see you in the next place.